All right, we're back. There's just two of us. Just two of us. Today. But how many do you really need? I would think. The, 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 what is it? The total is greater than the sum of our parts. <laughs> and that is the last time I will talk about your parts. Yes, please. On this podcast ever again. Yeah, I'm not. I'm leaving my parts out of the shot. <laughs> if you could. <clears throat> what are you drinking there? Um, trying to finish off. It's a milk stout. It's a raspberry milk stout, which makes it summery. From? Left hand. Left hand. They do good stuff. A little artsy, but I like their stuff for the most part. I do. I like this. And my wife was very disappointed. I hadn't opened it yet when she walked down. Like, well, you can drink some of it. And she just stormed off. That's uh, that's unfortunate. I recently had a friend who who gave birth this past weekend. And... uh, her oh, husband okay. had been leaving these two magic hat beers in the fridge as like her finish line. Like once you <laughs> once you give birth, you can have these because her baby was two two or a week late. So she'd just been concentrating on the two magic hat beers. I think they were ghosts, but I'm not sure. Um she's from Vermont. So that was like her her focus to get through it. Like once I do this, I can have two beers. Good. I hope to, I hope she enjoyed them. I hope, I, she, I hope she did too. I haven't asked. I hope that. she added, you know, ten more to the two she had. Anyway, that's my anecdote to get us kicked off here. So, all right. So we're actually we're recording this during Game Two of the Cubs Sox series. So enthralled right. that we're actually doing a podcast while it's going on. We're, they're already down one nothing. Yeah, I saw so. that. Took a, took one pitch, just like one last pitch. night. That was bad luck. <laughs> Efficien- efficiency. Schwarber homered on the first pitch of the, for the Cubs last night. Didn't score again. I have a feeling that probably won't hold tonight. Well, not to usurp your bus driving chair here, but last night's game certainly provided a lot of fodder for a, for an exercise like this. So yes. go right ahead, sir. I, I know you want to dive right into it. Yes. I wanted to talk about <clears throat> the wonderful Jose Quintana for Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease trade. Um, And really not so much how that trade has worked, but the whole concept behind it. One of the things that made it so attractive to Theo, and presumably Jed, if he gets a say in such things. Which we're not sure. Was, not only was Katana pretty good, but he had a great contract. He was Mm -hmm. controllable. Mm-hmm. And that would allow them then to have money to spend in the next off season. Indeed. Which then became you Darvish. Darvish. And then you was not so good and then was hurt. And then that became a trade for Cole Hamels, mm-hmm. which then meant that they, after looking at the state of their starting pitching, they said, well, we probably didn't originally intend to pay Cole $20 million to stay. But he was really good for us, and we really don't have anything to plug in there. So we'll spend that 20 and then we don't have any money left with our self-imposed spending limit. And we really can't fix other things that we need to fix. Okay, well, now there are two prongs to this that I would like to oh, ask like you prongs. about. All right. yeah. uh, and we should say that Cole Hamels has been very good this year, for the mm-hmm. most part. Uh, I cannot take credit for this. This is from my uh, compatriot at uh, faxesfromunkledale.com, Adam Hess. But if I phrase it this way, that the trade on All-Star break about uh, in 2017 was Eloy and Cease for John Lester, how would you grade it? 
So this is because Jose's numbers are very Lester-like ever since he joined. They're basically the same. But I ask you this. John Lester, has John Lester's wife (laughs) ever had an episode on an airplane that caused them to fly to Albuquerque instead of Los Angeles, putting them down one to nothing in the NLCS because everybody was sleeping? (laughs) I don't know that she hasn't. (laughs) It's true. Damn it. Um, let's not get too harsh on that because the Cubs were horribly overmatched yes. in that series. Well, we all, yes, we know that. Which we knew. John Lackey, relief pitcher, and game yeah. two was pretty good evidence. That- you know, the strangest thing about that series is that as much as I hated John Lackey, I actually didn't, I wasn't upset at him no, for I that at all. <laughs> like, no, it, I was, um, it was because, um, Wade. Davis threw approximately a thousand pitches to get to finish game five. Right. And then couldn't really pitch again. Couldn't pitch again. And they brought Lackey in in the middle of an inning. Yes. Everything um, you're not supposed to. Everything you're not supposed to. So now I'm not going to argue uh, that. I mean, I like Jose Quintana. I think he's been, I think he's been better than people think. That doesn't mean he's been great. And I don't want to pin the signing of you Darvish on him. He's it's not his fault the Cubs signed you Darvish. It's not his fault that you Darvish got what hurt. If, what if it is? What if he what if he did <laughs> Well, you're blaming his wife for an NLCS loss. So I there are clearly no rules here. <laughs> That's right. But I think whatever you think, I think if you phrase that as I phrase it to you, to Cub, most Cubs fans, if the trade was Cease and Jimenez for John Lester, they would say, Oh, well then that's been a good trade because Lester seems to have this inflated Reputation. He's been good. He's he hasn't been great since 2016. Uh, but because Quintana is associated with Eloy, um, you know, it's judged as this bad trade. Now, I I think Eloy is going to go on to have a hell of a career. We'll also point out he's not even really out hitting Schwarber this year. So the idea that he would be a Cub now, yeah, well, right? And I want um, as as all good arguments are going to be. I'm at, at some point. I'm going to argue the other side of my own argument. Okay, fair enough. Um, now let me get to my second prong. Oh yes, yes, I need. I still have a prong. And I've I've been going back and forth this, and I I don't I don't know where you are in this, and I don't know what you how, who you know if, or if anyone on the inside or whatever. But we talk about the, the extension to Hamels eating up their budget and not allowing them to sign a bullpen and possibly another bat. Although no one could foresee Ben Zobris going through what I'm sure is a very weird divorce. Yes. Um. Do we know if Jed and Theo knew in October, because the Hamels extension was was really right after the season, like almost like within a week. And it felt like that postseason press conference, they're like, we're going to make some changes. And I have no way to prove this, and I don't know this, and no one's written it, but it kind of feels like there was a bit of a rug pulled out from under them. Yeah, I, I, don't, know that, I don't know that they knew their budget was going to be this limited this winter. And I don't know what they've been told about it going forward. We, we pretty much know from the previous, from last February, March, whenever they signed you, Theo directly answered a question about one of the, one of the reasons they, they gave you the extra year for two reasons. Number one, it, it, it spread the annual value of his contract out a little bit. Right. But Theo was all excited about it because he felt like, they spent less money adding a starting pitcher than they had planned. Right. And he was going to have extra money to spend in the next off season. Mm-hmm. And then that clearly didn't happen. So no. I think, I think absolutely their, their plan got screwed up when, um, when the Ricketts decided they were tired of raiding the grandkids um, college fund. Right. 
because that's so empty. Yeah. Like, well, they don't make the Ricketts don't make any money. I mean, it's not like you know, you can't walk around the park and see anything that they own or anything they're getting a huge percentage out of. Those, well, that, that poor family, I, I would guess Todd is probably eating nothing but toast every day because they can't afford anything else. Well, that's turning into the world's longest book about how the Ricketts have this money and all that. So. <laughs> well, and then, but see, what follows for me is if Theo was essentially misled or lied to, and I don't know which word is there. I Theo's a good soldier and he probably doesn't want the attention after everything that happened in Boston, but I feel like we would have heard somebody somewhere talk about he's not exactly thrilled at you know what's been how he was forced to build this team for this season. Now maybe they told him when Marquis starts up the spigot turns on again, you just have to do this for one season. That seems to be what they want out there, right? Now, how does that make any sense, though? I mean, you're in I the middle. <laughs> you're in the middle of this window where you have a great team, mm-hmm. and you're like, eh, "We might have to go into. We might have to dig into our piggy bank. We don't want to do that this year. Wait till next year. Just see if right. we can win with this bunch while they all get older and they all get a year closer to leaving. We're just not yeah. going to give you the money that you thought you were going to get. Yeah, and Theo's only signed for two more seasons, so maybe he figures he rides it out, heads off to the sunset. Ready for Cooperstown, which we know is where he's probably headed. Yeah, I mean, I would guess he's, I would guess at least more than once in the last 10 months, he's had the gorilla suit on. <laughs> he hasn't actually, he hasn't actually walked out of his office yet, but he's zipped it most of the way up. And he's like, you know, no, I don't, I don't need to do this yet. I don't need to do this yet. And then he hangs it back up in the closet. I mean, I will, we, and we've both written this. I, I, because I read your stuff, you read mine, that, like, okay, if they were making choices about what to do this offseason with a limited budget, you leave the bullpen last because you can remake a bullpen on the fly. Yeah. You can trade for, as I wrote today, Aaron Bummer, mostly just so I can say it, but he's a guy who out of nowhere has an ERA under two, and it's there for no reason, it's going to stay there for no reason, and then next year it'll be over five for the same amount of reason. You can almost make the argument that because – Signing middle relievers is such a crapshoot yeah. that you're actually better off waiting until you see them help pitch the next season and then right. trying to pick them up during the season. Because Andrew Miller's been a disaster, and everyone kind of knew that. Um, so I, I'm not upset at them not committing huge money in the offseason to any reliever. We're now signing Kimbrell. Okay, they got back into a corner. They kind of had to do that, and he's no sure thing, but he's – He's going to be no worse than pretty good. He might not be dominant for the next three, two and a half seasons, but he'll be pretty good. Yeah. And I don't know that you can, I don't know that you're going to pick anybody up. Yeah. I don't know. You could trade for anybody as good as him. No, not, not this year. So you might as well just not give up any humans and just give him a big wad of cash. And I suppose the, the next question, and I'm getting farther from the track you wanted to set. And we'll oh, get back, I don't but, care. <laughs> um, when they were looking at it, they're like, oh, our bullpen looks so short. Do we want Kimbrel? Did they think, you know what, if we can hold out here and cut, what do they end up cutting? About $6 million off the total. Um, they say, look, we, we can still be hanging around first place through the half of the season. We'll save this money just in case we need to do other things. We'll bring in Kimbrel then. And if we're still, you know, Tonight, half game out of first place because the Brewers got swept by the Padres. Yep. And then Kimball shows up, you know, the Cavalry or whatever. You know, it, it all works out I, as long as you win the division. I don't, I don't know that it makes a difference that if you win ninety-five or 
99 games because you're not going to win the 118 no. the Dodgers are going to win right. anyway. So, yes, you're you're not going to get home field in the NLCS no matter what you do. And it's so baseball. Get in. And it's baseball. So does home field even really matter? I don't know that it does. No, because it's not like the last the last time they won the World Series. They didn't have home field in the, in the big one. So there. Yeah, And even if they had, they were hell-bent on giving it away. So. so anyway, I'm finished with my prongs. My prongs are finished. Okay. So I want to talk. Um, I mean, I also, I like Jose Quintana. I questioned at the time giving away what were supposedly your two best prospects to get him. But I understood the reasoning by it. And I think, especially when you see him play, the Cubs at that point knew that it was going to be tough. You were never going to be able to have Eloy and Schwarber on the same team, ever. And you were never going to get him in right field. And he can't play. He can barely play. Eloy can barely play left field. He can't yeah. throw at all. He can't really move. And this is as mobile as he's ever going to be. I mean, this is, <laughs> right. this this is, is peak <laughs> athlete Eloy. He's just going to get bigger. And This is as good as it gets. And so I'm, somebody's going to go, well, they're gonna, there's going to be a DH. In the National League someday. We didn't well, know that's that. that's fine. That's Just great. Hang we didn't on know that for two the next years ago. Fifteen yeah. years, right? And hope that that's when they institute the DH. So I think they were. It was inevitable that they had to trade him. Not had to, but I don't feel they weren't like, well, we're never going to trade this guy because he's going to be a star for us. I think they looked at it and said he's going to be really good for somebody, and that right. might very well not be us. And at that point, you would have been selling low on Schwarber. So if I mean if we go back to the moment of this deal, yeah, you Schwarber, couldn't have gotten you wouldn't have gotten anything for him, no. and you'd be waiting another season and a half for Eloy. Oh well, let's say a season because the Cubs probably could have brought him up mid-season, which the White Sox had no impetus to do. Yes. he was ready last year. We know that he was, and they just yeah. And it. I was really surprised, given how one side of this rivalry feels about this rivalry. I was shocked that he <laughs> quote, didn't come up unquote. in September because the Cubs had those three games at. <laughs> On the <laughs> south side in September. Right. And like, we'll stick it to him this way. Yeah. Um, but, and had they known he was going to fall for the their ruse and sign that extension, then they could have happily brought him up. <laughs> their ruse. Um, it, to me, it's kind of a, I understand why guys do it, you know, but. Um, it's certainly more those, money. Those extensions seem like the kinds of things that David Bodie should sign. And Not, he did. Right, <laughs> like so, like holy crap! You're gonna give me this much? Are you sure this is for me? Right. Are you sure? You know, did the right? Did I walk into the right office? Am I supposed to take this money? Then somebody who thinks they're gonna be really good, you would think that they would want to go through that whole process. But I guess if someone's gonna hand you forty million dollars and you're right, old Eloy, Chris is, Bryant's not taking that more. money. But like, you know, Eloy is four years from making anything decent in arbitration. So I get it. Uh, you know who could refuse? No, um, I don't. I don't like that take. I think it's because Eli knows he's really going to suck. <laughs> it was having so that's why he took the money. Like, okay, to me, I'm going to blow because I can't. My, I I can't stand up without pulling a quad. So <laughs> no, that's for that. Solaire. Yes, it is. But Eloy also has been injury prone. He's been out. Yes, and same kind of thing. It's his legs. He's already missed a couple weeks here. Yep. Um, I don't need to talk down Eli. It doesn't. I mean, I I prefer. I, I would actually prefer if he turns out to be really good, just because he's fun to watch and his. You know, I don't. I, I'm one of those Cubs fans who doesn't really feel one way or the other about the White Sox. Uh, I 
they happen on the other side of town. I like going to their games. I don't really care if they win or lose. And I guess I'm lucky in that most of my White Sox fan friends have moved out of Chicago, so I don't see them very often. Um, I I feel about the way that I did before I went to college about the White Sox, which is I forget for long stretches that they exist. <laughs> right. When I went to when I went to NIU though, all of a sudden I was surrounded by Sox fans. And so? <laughs> so I had to become virulently anti-White Sox. Right. And and so I knew because of just how I am, I then learned all kinds of things about their players that they did. The supposed Sox fans didn't know mm-hmm. so that I could just throw it back in their face. The biggest thing was I was at Northern when, what year was that? 90, the trade was 92, I guess. So 91 was my freshman year at NIU. Okay. And I could not make fun of Sammy Sosa enough. You know, he's this <laughs> wild guy with the Jerry curl. What a terrible player. Look at this moron. He's never going to do anything. That immediately had to change immediately. one day. And, uh, so a lot of people are like this is going to be revenge for Sammy, this Eloy thing. It's like, look, I think Eloy's good. I don't think he's ever going to be Sammy's host. So I don't well, think you have to worry no, about that. The thing is, I don't think anyone's going to be. I mean, like Mike Trout, well, offensively is never going to put up those numbers, like 66 homers. Right. Like that's, that's just not going to happen. Now you throw in the defense and Mike Trout's like 11 times the player. So it's like, let's, be honest here but oh come on sammy was a top-notch right fielder <laughs> well he liked to see how far he could every throw every ball. once in a while he would take the proper route to a fly ball every <laughs> once in a while a throw wouldn't hit the screen behind home wouldn't plate. Hit the screen. um but that's another discussion so um yes but and and we have and the sad thing is sosa was about the only thing to watch for a decade so um that's just how it goes on this side of town yeah i mean we i i don't we need mike for this because he he loves this topic, but why do the Ricketts, what is, what is it about Sammy that the Ricketts hate so much? I think they're, I don't think, I don't, first of all, I would be surprised if the Ricketts even really know who Sammy Sosa is. I've always thought they are playing at an emotion Cubs fans no longer have. Um, I think they think they're doing a fan service because there was a time when, you know, after the yeah. he left or whatever, that there was some hard feelings. But these days, I think most Cub fans were like, no, he's whatever happened. He's one of the greatest Cubs of all time. And he's weird. And yes, and he's maybe very he, weird. And he's very weird. But like, you know, it's time to end this. Let's let's do it. But like the Ricketts are still still think it's 2007. And I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what you know. What year did he claim to meet his wife in the bleachers? <laughs> like, um, so I think I think they think they're doing they're doing what the fans want, but but because they don't actually ever listen to what fans are saying, they don't. I, that's what I. That's my guess because there's there's no rational reason. Because the the really weird thing is they could make it go away in a weekend. You could have him back. He walks out on the field. He waves. Throws his first pitch. You put up with him for a day. You do all the in-inning video bits. Yep. And then he goes back to the Dominican. And, and you weird. never have to have him back. And you right. never have to listen you to crap that you never let you. Because you've got it on video. Look, here he was. Right. He looks like, he's, he looks like Wayne Newton now. And there he is on the field <laughs> waving at everybody. And he wears the same shirt. <laughs> I mean... Put his twenty-one up on a foul pole. I mean, there's. I mean, let's let's you know whatever. Like, I mean, the numbers suggest that should have been done the day he left. Um, you know, it's not like someone miraculous is wearing it. I I won't live through the Jason Marquis era like everyone else. 
Um, well, you could retire for both of them. If right, you. exactly. It'd be like a Pierre Pilat, Keith Magnuson thing. And Joe Mather wear twenty one for a while too. <laughs> yeah, well, well, he looked the part. Um, yeah, there's. I don't. I mean, someone one day, like ten or fifteen or twenty years down, I guess Deadsman's already sort of doing it. Is going to write a book on the Ricketts, and we're going to find out just how weird and like stupid they actually are. Yeah, because we're, uh, everything we've learned so far has just been from getting a hold of their emails. Mm-hmm. Wait until people who had to deal with them actually start talking about them. <laughs> right. On the when, when Theo's like is five years out of the job and he's like, "All right, here I'm. I'm not going to be in baseball again." Here's what do you want to know? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be oh, mwah, wonderful! I can't wait. But you know, I mean. Any people, any person, group, family that rich is probably that insane and stupid. Probably. I, Mike and I talked about it on one of these. About it's amazing how you should have been able. You were the you were the owners who won the World Series for the Cubs. Right. That's like carte blanche, and you turn into you the Mackaskies. Yeah. In two years, you <laughs> turned all your entire fan base against you. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I don't. It's 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 really un- especially when you're following the Tribune company. Yeah, like it's all made for you. Yeah, the um, owners who were best when they weren't paying attention. Right when it was when they were just <laughs> when it was all in the dark. Yeah. Um, as soon as they started meddling, that's when everything went down. Very strange. Very strange stuff. Well, I think they thought that World Series would buy them license to do all the things they wanted to do and. You know, it doesn't work that way. I think they're surprised at how much backlash they're getting, honestly. But they, what, what, does it, what does it matter? Yeah, because the backslash, the backlash is not felt in the, right. the most important place to them. Right, clearly. Is, Although I noticed... I, shitloads of money. Right. They're disgusted about it, but it doesn't stop them from spending it. I noticed he's not in the, uh, in the uh, owner's seats as often this season. And you don't see him sitting there in the third row quite as much as you used to. Um, well, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Like, should, you know, I, I have partial season tickets. Uh, you know, there was a brief thought like, oh, you know, maybe I should turn these in. But you know what? I'm not going to let these assholes rip something I've loved my whole life away from me. Like, that's, fuck that. Like, you know, there's whatever. There's no ethical capitalism. Like, Yeah, and as much as, as you might, as people might like to think, that's going to teach them a lesson. It's not. It's not going to teach them a lesson. There's it's no winning. You, it's just going to mean you deprive yourself of doing something you like. Right. There's and they're no just going to this. sell that ticket to somebody else, and they're not going to give a shit that it's not you. Right. You want to beat the Ricketts, like, elect all the opponents of the people they support in elections, which they which you've sort of done because Tony got reelected. Um, but anyway, now we're way off. But that's, hey, that was the point, right? Yes. So, as I pause to watch the game that I shouldn't be commenting on. <laughs> Go ahead. Don't worry about it, Francesa. <laughs> oh, God. I No, wait. Can you do live play-by-play on a podcast? Because technically it's not live. Like, when he was doing play-by-play of the U.S. Open on his show, that was illegal. Yes. <laughs> like, but if it's a podcast, I don't know that it is. Not that uh, you should do that. Yeah, I would. they'll sue you for anything. Pretty much, and we'll lose. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I can't afford a lawyer. Well, I've got Mike. 
Well, but he's like a realty. So yeah. That's not real. That's not a lawyer. That's just that's true. He's not. He's not really all that useful. Yeah, he's he's draws up a contract. That's that's that. We, that. we still don't know what Kyle does. So, <laughs> and I he think we should keep it that way. He explained it to us, and we still don't know what he does. So, as far as I'm concerned, Kyle is the gimp you keep in the back, and you <laughs> you you bring him out for podcasts. That's all I know. <sighs> so, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was this because it's. We're celebrating interleague, and oh, I want to talk about that, Joe. <laughs> the Grand Slam, yes, we, we're, we're currently. <laughs> Can Lester hold a three-run lead against this lineup? I'm going to say no, <laughs> but um, so it, anyway, it's perfect baseball, not just Cub. It's perfect baseball that they faced the worst pitcher in the American League last night. No exaggeration. Yes. The worst pitcher in the American score. League. They're facing the best pitcher in the American League tonight. They scored four They're runs four. with one out. one out. Yeah. All right. By the way, now that would be an interesting study. We'll get our guy from Stats Inc. How often has a, <laughs> one pitching staff had the worst and best starter in the same rotation? Now, every Cub rotation, the first, when Greg Maddox's go around? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that's probably what. Well, and probably, actually, I bet the Cubs have had it at least several times because Fergie. Right. God awful Cub teams. And he could still find a way to win 20 games. He'd, have, Steve, to pitch, he'd have to pitch 14 innings in a game. And Steve Carlton win. has to have had that happen. Oh, yeah. Once, absolutely. Right? Didn't he win? He won 27 games when a team won 54. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was 59, but yeah, it was like either yeah. half or like close to half the yeah. games. But anyway, I so, digest. So this is the 23rd year of interleague play. God, has it been that long? And. I was trying to think when the last time I actually cared. And it's been a long time. I don't mind. I'm not going to say, well, they shouldn't play because it's dumb. They're eight miles apart. It seems like for convenience sake, they ought to play once in a while just to cut down on the travel. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing, because we've been on both sides of it as Cub fans, is that I, I think it's undeniable that after the, the the first few years, everybody was kind of into it. It was the novelty of it. It was all mm-hmm. this stuff. But now we're to the point where the only time one team really cares is when they're really bad. Right. And I don't know that you're like, well, at least we could we could screw up their season if we win a few games. I don't even know if that applies anymore. Honestly. I think when the teams are both bad, nobody gives a shit. When it's when it's rare and the teams are both good, these games are always burned off early in the season that right. you forget in a week you'll forgotten that they played. Yeah, I I I uh I've talked about this. I thought until a few years ago these always meant more to the White Sox than they did to the Cubs. Um, and at that time, you know, the Cubs have mostly been slightly better. But from what I, you know, from hanging out with Sox fans and, and just the general gist you get from social media, whatever, you know, these teams now, they know what's important. Like, we've won a World Series. Yeah. We've been trying to win a World Series. That's That's really, we don't need anything else. And the White Sox fans finally got their wish of a full-out rebuild, look, act like an actual major league team, and that's where their focus is and has been. So I don't, I go back and forth on this. I don't mind interleague play just because when it was like contained in like June, like when you kind of just had this fest of interleague play, Uh, because it broke up the season, it was different, and it you know it it you know it just wasn't the Mets rolling in here, or whatever. And now that it's spread throughout, it doesn't it loses that. 
Um, I mean, I like the novelty of, you know, okay, oh, when you get the schedule, like, oh, these are the teams that will come into Wrigley that don't usually and vice versa. You know, kind of like the NFL schedule. But honestly, I think it's bothersome because you have this wild card system, but you're not playing the same schedule. And, you know, this has worked out for the Cubs. They get four games with the White Sox, which is fine. And the Brewers will get four games with the Twins, who are significantly better. So it's just stupid. (laughs) Um, You just, you can't make the schedule work with it. And I, and I, the interleague play only works if your team is playing the Cubs, Red Sox, or Yankees. Yeah, tenants wise. It, in fact, I, I would guess it, it, it at times is a hindrance because your fans are like, what? I don't, right, right. Like Brewers. Well, oh, good. Fans, the Marlins are coming to town. Right. I've Brewers always wanted are, to see them. Brewers fans or Reds fans are not excited about the Rays coming to town, and the Rays are good. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not excited about Oakland coming to town. The only reason this works is Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, and let's throw the Dodgers in there. Well, not everyone can play those teams. So I really don't know what you'd be losing uh, if you got rid of it. I know the argument back in the day, and they did this with hockey too, is that, well, we want all these players coming into our stadium so people can see them. Well, A, they only come in once every, like, six years. So don't give me that. And B, these days, baseball fans, if they're baseball fans, they have the extra innings package or they watch MLB Network. You see these guys play. You know who they are. So the argument that, like, oh, we need to bring these guys to every stadium to bring people out, it just it doesn't hold up. Yeah. And, I and think- as far as Cubs Sox stuff, I feel like it's just the media that gets a huge – like, they make a big deal out of it when no one actually really cares that much. That's absolutely true. I'll, I do miss, um, he should have done it for Forbes. I miss Phil Rogers doing his all city team every year. Oh God, that was, that was delicious. Really fucking wrong. It was always great. <laughs> I'll tell you a story that's just as dumb. <laughs> when I was interning for ESPN radio in the 2001 summer, 2001 season, you remember that Cubs team, um, uh, John Lieber for the win. Um, we, they were doing their – at the time, ESPN Radio was the home of White Sox baseball. And they were doing their shows from outside Comiskey. And Harry Tynowitz showed up in one of those half Sox, half Cubs jerseys. And this was like one of – I think the show started at 1 o'clock. I'm fairly sure he was already drunk. And he just kind of went on this soliloquy about how much he loved the rivalry. He, he lo- And it was like – there was like three minutes about the point – in uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game where the fans yell over each other and how much he loved that. (laughs) And then it went on from there. And then a month later, maybe this was a month before when they had the three games at at Wrigley, they wanted to do their post-game show from the Cubby Bear. Now, I don't know if you've been in the Cubby Bear after a Cubs game. Yeah. It's a dance club. Yeah. So, Tynowitz is loaded and he just wants to know where every player is going to party after the game they have players on over the phone and he that's that that's where he's asking them where are you guys going after the game that's all he wants to know <laughs> the place is incredibly loud the hosts can't hear each other they're screaming into their microphones i'm sure it sounded fine on radio but they couldn't hear each other so now i'm 20 years old at this point and at 20 years old i weighed like 140 pounds so the program director sends me me 
to go tell the DJ to turn the music off. <laughs> now, the DJ was 6'7", 350, if he was a pound, and angry. <laughs> so I'm going to tell him to turn the music off. I turned right around and told the program director, that's on you. <laughs> so I, five minutes later, you see the two of them screaming at each other. So they cut the cord early on that one, that show. And then Tynowitz takes the two female interns to the bar next door, and I had to pack up the show. <laughs> like So those are my, those are my Cub Sox memories. <laughs> but I learned a lot. Mine was in 03. Okay. I went to um I went to the cell with my friend Neil who's a Sox fan. Okay. And um got not quite, almost got in a fight. I there was a punch thrown, it was thrown at me and missed. Um with another Cubs fan. Right. So I go I I go to go to the Sox park and get in a fight with a Cubs fan because he was drunk and he was embarrassing me as a Cub fan with the things he was saying. So that's been my experience going to these, uh, especially uh, at, at Kaminsky is that I, I, you know, Sox fans I can deal with. I stay out of their way. They stay out of mine. It's always the Cubs fans who piss me off most. Well, early in the game when we were actually at our seats two a pair of women just beat the shit out of each other. I mean, that was, <laughs> we really enjoyed that, but they just, I mean, Two, Not like a girl fight, like a real. Oh, they were really swinging, and then their their boyfriends or whoever were trying to get in between them, and they were getting punched in the face. You know, they were just catching stray rights and lefts. That was great. Um, but in ours, the guy, I basically told him to shut up because he was embarrassing, right. and I didn't have, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a Cub shirt on. I just had a normal shirt on. So he just assumed I was a Sox fan. So he got mad at me, and he <laughs> reared back, took a big drunken swing at me. I took one step back. He almost fell over, and then immediately, Sox security came out of nowhere and just whisked him away it was like and neil and i looked at each other like did that just happen and he was gone it's so like, like homer oh. trying to punch dredrick tatum it's just kind of <laughs> that's right just my right end of the ground <laughs> right never okay. returned never returned yeah i i don't uh a friend of mine who's uh, uh going to Sox fan is going to the game is asking if i go and i told him uh, cardinals and white Sox games i i avoid like the plague uh, I, I don't like anything that goes on around me. There's always the invading fans who want to make a show of themselves. And it helps me pick the games that I want to see anyway, because those are the first to go. But yeah, I don't, I avoid them. I don't, and, and they'll, they'll get, these days I don't think they're, they're bad. I don't think there are many incidents now, but when the White Sox are good, the volume will get turned up on these and it'll be kind of the same silliness you and I remember. Um, but I don't need it. I, I just don't need it. I've been to one Cardinal game in St. Louis ever. I was eight. <laughs> we were on vacation, and I don't know if Great America didn't exist yet. It might not have, but so we went to Six Flags in St. Louis in okay. like July, which is a beautiful Ooh. time to be there. Oh, and God. Dad wanted to go to a game at the Big Urinal Cake, so the, right. set, the, the original Bush Stadium, which is like 140 degrees inside. Yeah. That was back when it was in its astroturf glory. But this was 82. And um, bad. we heard, I can't remember, if maybe it's, you know, I was a little kid, so things, the stories get retold. But um, David Green had gone on the disabled list, and the Cardinals brought up some plucky young switch hitting outfielder named Willie McGee. Oh, no. So I do know I was at Willie McGee's first game 
Well, that's pretty awesome. I, and what I, I remembered about it, even as a kid, my mom will never forget it. She talks about every, anytime you bring up St. Louis at all, was how much that stadium smelled like pee. I'm sure the new one does too. Oh, of course it does. Uh, I my only trip. Well, I've had a couple trips to St. Louis, but it was only for hockey reasons. Uh, my our first one when we brought a bunch of readers down there in 2010. Our hotel was the hotel that's like behind the center field parking lot there of the new park. Uh, and I and I think that's the one they've attached their ballpark village to or whatever. And I was basically physically ill the entire time I was in the hotel. Like, <laughs> the proximity was just too much for me. So I've said I would like to visit 29 major league ballparks, but I just I won't do it. I won't I won't go in there. I can't I can't bring myself to. I just like their their opening video montage, whatever they do before the Cardinals <laughs> take the field, would be too much for me. I would I would throw up a lung, and uh, and then someone would eat it, as I assume is custom down there. Um, so I can't I can't I can't do it. There's no way. I I, I I've even brought myself to the point where like yeah, I should probably go see a game in Lambo. I mean I'm not even that big of a football fan, but like you know that's that's where you go. Like I could do that. Because I feel like, well, it's still Wisconsin. As much as I hate us, they're still nice, you know. But that I, I've gotten there. But like Bush Stadium, no, I can't. There's no way I'd be able to bring myself to do it. Yeah, I think people who haven't experienced it don't understand the teeming insecurity that people in St. Louis have towards Chicago in general, but the Cubs specifically. Which doesn't make and any it's sense. Just, it, no. They've had, you know, for years, decades, they were so much better than the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And they still just let it eat them alive. I don't get it. Well, maybe, maybe I, I understand if you live there, but I, I don't, I don't, and I'm not going to. So that's that. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I've been to Lambo once. And was, it was it worth it? Well, there wasn't even a game. I was, I was at a, we had a conference in Green Bay I had to go to and they gave and and the reception the opening reception was in Lambeau because they've enclosed almost that whole it's actually it's kind of cool yeah. um, and then you got to go down and get you got a tour of the locker room and the field and all that shit and well I, what else are you going to do there? generally not no, there, <laughs> like, there's, nothing. The- there's nothing else to do. there's two there's two breweries and Lambeau and then Appleton Basically, that's all that's up there. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it is really staggering that they still have an NFL team. Yes. Like, well, um, but, you know, the the fans own that team. Yeah, and they keep telling you that. And I've got, we've got friends. You know, I grew up in a little farm town right on the Illinois-Wisconsin border. And so we've got friends whose families are Packer fans. And they will gladly show you the, um, oh, boy. They will gladly show you their certificate. Is that what you get? Yeah. You pay your $100 or whatever it is, and you get you get a share of the Packers, and they give you a certificate, and you frame it, and you hang it up. And um, I'll, and I'll same thing I'll say to them is, okay, so when there's an NFL owner's meeting. Who goes? Do you just take that thing off the wall <laughs> and go there and get in line right behind Jerry Jones to wherever they're, whatever room they're walking into and go, oh, I own, the, I own the Packers? It would be worth it to get in line behind Jerry Jones. It would. That he, would be- he'd let you in. Jerry, he'd have no problem. He'd try. He'd try to work out a trade with you. Uh, I've been to Jerry World in Dallas. It is uh, everything you'd think it would be and more. Um, but anyway, this is not this is not the football stadium podcast. So. It is now. Um, I've never actually seen the Bears on the road. They're the one team close to my heart that I have never followed anywhere. 
Um, mostly, no, I, um, I'm, I'm actually done seeing them in, at home. Oh yeah, I don't go to football. I will games. never. That's stupid. I will never go to another NFL football game just no, because there, the there's no point. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, there's no point in doing it's, it. It's the perfect TV sport, right? And it's an awful experience when you're actually at a game. I don't it's know why hard to anybody does it. Yeah, but I'm glad people do because otherwise, I need the atmosphere. Right. If I turn the surround sound on down here on a Sunday. I want to hear people screaming. I just yeah, don't want to be one of them. You forget until you go to a game and then you really realize after you've like learned how to really watch football on television, that like how much work the camera does for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, like in every other, football. every other sport, they just have to keep everything. Fr- baseball doesn't really count, but like you just kind of keep the whole area framed or whatever. But like football, like there's so much going on that has nothing to do with the actual ball. So the camera will bring you to when you need to watch where the ball is. Like it'll just bring you there. And uh, that that makes it so much easier. Well, the other thing you forget is how much time there is when nothing happens. Right. When like, they go to, they go to commercial for for three minutes and it feels like thirty. Yeah. And you like, just sit there. Those like, TV timeouts when it's like ten degrees, like it's a kind of a wonder we haven't had a riot. <laughs> like, <laughs> like because you're, you're, you're just sitting there and you're watching people stand there while they're playing commercials for people who are at home and warm and dry. <laughs> Like, who hasn't just had an uprising and said, we're not going to stand for this? Yeah. Well, when it happens, it'll happen in Buffalo. Of course. No, they, they'll, they'll be they, too they drunk. Will set, they don't care. Well, I mean, they'll accidentally set the set this stadium on fire. And a whole bunch of people will come scurrying out from behind things, being caught having sex. Right, and, and going through tables. <laughs> and that's still, I, one of my favorite internet videos is the guy putting his baby Buffalo Bills fan through a table. So... Yeah, that's how he like christened him was putting him through this <laughs> mini table. Which as, I thought was great. As uh, one does. As one does. But I'm you know, I'm the wrestling guy, so people going through tables is kind of my thing. Yeah. But look at that, a tight 40, just like we said. Yeah. And that, is, that is good work. Yeah. Yeah, because unless you've got something, I'm out. You're done. <laughs> I ran out of stuff. Um, I mean, I, I already wrote about it today. I, I'm starting to get worried about the Cubs offense, but we've got weeks to talk about that. I don't think a returning Ben Zobrist is going to be the answer here. Um, I can't think of a player who misses three months due to personal reasons and not like drug use and like comes back and is immediately as good as they were. So I'm curious as to what bats they might look at. Yeah, well, they're going to have to. And I don't think the uh, – I think we can probably put a lid on the Carlos Gonzalez experiment. There does not appear to be we, a whole You could have put a lid there. on it before it started for yeah. me. It was clear he was dead. Just because the Indians, who have the worst offensive outfield in baseball, cut him? If he could hit it all, they would have kept it. Yes. Um, you yeah. know. Uh, he did make that one really nice catch. Scooter Which, Jeanette would be a nice choice, but he's probably very expensive. Via yeah, they trade. certainly have a gaping, throbbing hole at second base that they right. fill with a nice offensive player. Yeah, which you don't think could be filled by the suddenly rich David Bodie. <laughs> Surprisingly rich. Um, um, it is interesting to me that for as long as Theo and Jed have been in charge now, there hasn't been the big... I mean, I guess the, there hasn't been the holy shit. I can't believe they traded that guy trade. You know, and maybe we all think, well, they did it to, they traded Nomar, which seemed unbelievable when Theo traded him from the Red Sox right. to the Cubs. Unfathomable. <clears throat> but it really feels like, 
I kind of thought they would do it last year when the team was sputtering that you do kind of a challenge trade, take one of your good young players and who's not performing in the middle of a pennant race and trade him for somebody else's and see what happens. Perhaps it should this have been very, Hap. <laughs> like yeah. so. This could very well be the year when there's a trade. You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they actually traded him because they haven't really done that yet. Yeah. And I haven't. I, it really seems like they are in love with the guys they picked. And that's great, but it's also but they're not it's an good. impediment if yeah, if the guys are don't turn out to be as good as you thought and you refuse to sell high on them ever because you right. couldn't gauge that they weren't good. I guess it's a real indictment on Ian Hap because the three positions he supposedly plays all have gaping holes with them and he hasn't been able to like vault himself into the conversation. Well, I mean, if you think that the ball is flying at the major leagues, it is really doing really it at AAA, at AAA and he's hitting two thirty with eleven homers. So yeah, there's a reason uh, he's still down there. Right, he's going to get passed by Horner on the depth chart soon. Like um, that's uh, that's that's bad news. But that, he's, that's he's not even the best. He's not, well, he's certainly not the mo- most productive. He probably still is the best. But uh, Trent Giambrone, or whatever his name is, hits like a home run every other day, which does not mean he's good. No, what it shows is Ian Happ ought to be able to get a fucking hit down there once you'd, in a while. You'd think, but uh, yeah, that that's that's strange doings. They not only are they love their guys, they had so much early success that they've vaulted most of these guys ahead way too fast. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Schwarber was rushed. I think the injury there is the the overriding factor. But Hap and Elmora and uh, missing one, probably Russell, um, who psychologically was not ready for it. Um, you know, but because they had such luck with Brian and, and Rizzo's their guy and and whoever else. They, well, Rizzo, they had plen- Rizzo had plenty of minor league time. He did. Uh, but like they brought him here, and then he was up here within half a season. Yeah, until Brian was here quickly t- until Dale's fame threatened to send him back. <laughs> and they're well, like, they, uh, Dale, no, just they, you Dale, don't. You, you don't get to do that. There's the yeah, you don't make that choice, and there's the door. <laughs> um, yeah, Dale Swain. Well, I'm almost almost forgotten about that. No, I can never forget Dale. Ricky reminds me in this series too, and I see Ricky because it's really. I have to remind myself, or I would forget that he was ever there. I think it's they. So I think they've tried to forget he was. Ever Jed there. will never forget. Jed had to stand on his porch like, um, like Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire and ring the doorbell, except giving <laughs> bad news instead of good news. <laughs> well, uh, Ricky, uh, well, we're, gonna, we're gonna go another direction. I, li- I love the. I mean, I see Sox fans complaining about Ricky all the time, and it's like, well, wh- where was the impression you got that he was a, he was good? Like his job right. here was to sit and smile at Castro and Rizzo. Like that was his job. Yep, was to not yell. He had at to him. repair the relationships that Dale right. had ruined. He so wasn't they brought in kinder, gentler Ricky. Who I'm. I don't. If you hook them to a lie detector, they will. They'd have to admit they knew he wasn't going to be there when they were good. So <laughs> yeah, he was the caretaker. He was. They gave him a three-year contract so he'd get paid. I, right. They probably thought he was going to be there two years, and they ended up being better, faster, and then Joe well, found and then Madden, Madden became available, and so they just did it. Oh, and they'd tell you, oh, we didn't know he had this loophole in his contract or whatever. My ass. Yeah. But, um, well, I like Joe always acts like he didn't know. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. That's in your contract, dude. You know, every clause in your fucking Benny's contract. As well but you, you didn't did. know that you got to become a, a 
a very wealthy to be free agent if your boss left. <laughs> and it, we have to say, people don't like him, but it's worked out. So I like him. I really do like Joe. I like him, but I have my complaints. And we did that last week. Last week. Yes. So, all right then. Well, that was fun. We yeah, did it. it. Prove we don't need the other two guys. They're fired. <laughs> they are so fired. I already cut you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again. Do it again next week. All right. Yep. Next week. See ya. See ya.